Welcome to the Calligraphy Masters podcast. My name is Milenis and this is a show where I talk with some of the most inspiring and influential artists in the world of calligraphy, lettering and sign painting with the goal of exploring their mindset and understand how they became successful. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Calligraphy Masters podcast. This one is special. I know <laughs> with every guest I say the guest is special, but this time uh, my guest is Castro, which is one of the newest addition to Calligraphy Masters crew. And I've been following her for some years now. And yeah, I'm super excited to finally talk with her and hear her, hear about her journey. So hi, Castro, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm completely, you know, shocked, honored, thrilled, everything to be invited to be part of calligraphy masters i've so looked up to the amazing work that you post on the feed and the time and energy that you put into the community for so many years that you know when when we have interacted over time here and there um you know privately through instagram i've always been like wow this is you know this is great and i'm so glad to connect with you individually and now just to be part of this is is amazing so yeah thank you so much no i uh, thank you like uh, the honor is mine you know because uh, like uh, i'm very passionate about calligraphy lettering and uh, everything that i do i do it out of passion but uh, because I have to do all this stuff, I'm not the best calligrapher, you know? Like, my <laughs> love and passion for calligraphy is bigger than my skills. And uh, I appreciate each one of the people in the community, and especially each one of you, like you, which are now part of the Calligraphy Masters crew. We're now 81. I hope to quickly get to 90 people, and then it will be closed for some time. I mean, after eight years, this is the first time which I go above 36 people, so all of the sudden almost 60 new mem members, it's uh, pretty crazy. You have your hands full. You have your hands full. Well, I'm excited to see everybody's work too. I'm sure that you'll have just this whole new batch of inspiration ready for all of us. I'm super, super hyped because uh, as in, I mean, you are someone who does a lot of work, not only with your art, but you know what is it, it is to run a community. and. I do a lot of crazy stuff and I seriously I'm super excited because with having so much uh, members and uh, I, I believe we, we're gonna do some really nice things for calligraphy community and yeah but yeah well, let's, let's talk about your journey let's talk about journey so I know it I'm not supposed to ask women how old are you but you know oh. this, this is something which I ask everybody on the uh, podcast because I think it's important for people to know that it doesn't really matter what age you are you, you can be always calligrapher and it also maybe will motivate some people if they're like oh I'm I'm too young or I'm too old like that's the only reason I I, I please don't, don't worry <laughs> so yeah start with like uh, where are you from how old are you and uh, what's your childhood been like like at what point in life you met with calligraphy okay well um I'm 49 so close or actually I'm almost 49 I've been like getting used to saying that I'm 49 even though my birthday is not for a couple more months um and I live in Northern California in Sonoma County, like about an hour north of San Francisco. So kind of in the whole 
wine industry area, winery okay. area. <laughs> so beautiful weather, can't complain. Um, and this is where I was born. I was I was born here, like many people, uh, you know, left the area for a while, and then I ended up coming back to my to my hometown. So born and raised here. Awesome. Um, let's see. I was so I was born in 1973 in Northern California, which means I had a very hippie childhood growing up, you know, very, very different. All of us called our teachers by their first names and, uh, you know, very casual and hippie childhood. Uh, what does this mean? Because, you know, I'm not from uh, America oh. <laughs> and I'm just curious, you know, because <laughs> does this mean that uh, you're you're not supposed to call teachers by the first name now or what? No, no. Typically it's Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so. Okay. Um, so that was very, that was like a period of time in the, in the 70s when, when everything was kind of like peace and love and yeah. relaxed and at least, you know, in, in certain subcultures. So definitely was part of that. Um, anyways, my father was a um, mechanical engineer. My mom was um, one of the, you know, she was a computer programmer back in the day of like punch card computers that took up whole rooms. <laughs> so both of them very, very smart people, very, logically focused. I didn't have art in my life as a child at all. Um, you know, not that it wasn't appreciated. I just didn't grow up with artist family or art community. So I grew up very math and focused and everything. I see. <laughs> um, um, so I started college as a math major and because uh, that was always my strong subject it was always what came easily for me and what was comfortable for me um and then partway through um, college because of being a waitress so i waitressed in college like, okay i've been a bartender I, for 11 years I, yeah i was a waitress <laughs> um in college you know paying my way through rent and all that and um i went to san francisco state university and and um, in here in California, at least in the restaurants, like no matter what kind of restaurant it is, it could be Italian, Japanese, it doesn't matter what kind of restaurant it is. A lot of the kitchen staff workers um, uh, speak Spanish. So I worked at a restaurant and when I would go into the kitchen to pick up plates, it, it, it'd be like crossing a, you know, a a time travel, not a time travel, but like a, a warp in, in space. And, and all of a sudden everybody was speaking Spanish. And it was so intriguing to me that, you know, they could have this whole conversation and I was completely clueless. Um, and so I wanted to start learning Spanish with them. And they really took me on under their wing and started teaching me Spanish. I ended up switching my major in college to Spanish. Really? Never took a single art class. Um, even in high school, like in high school, I never took art as an elective. I always took accounting. Okay. I was a total nerd. Wow, <laughs> like, that, um, that's a different story, but that's cool. I know. 
Um, I, I never did any art. I, I was, I just, I was very, very nerdy. <laughs> so nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, so graduated um, college with a, a degree in, in Spanish and um, math, and then ended up moving to Mexico for five years where I got married and had my children were born in Mexico um, and lived there for five years. I didn't, I only came back to the States once during that time. It just was too expensive for me to travel to the United States. So my mom would go visit me down there. Um, and then when I moved back, when my kids were little, because I, I lived in a very rural area of only 250 people. So the, the schools weren't very um, supported. So I decided when my kids were little, I needed to come back to the States so that they would have better access to education. Mm -hmm. um, when I came back to the States in um, 2001, I think it was, I became a Spanish and math teacher, high school, high school Spanish and math teacher. Okay. Still didn't know anything about calligraphy. Didn't know it even existed, really. Um, and and then fast forward because nobody needs the blow by blow of my life. No, it's up to you. Whatever you share, you know. For me, it's all good. Um, so I worked in public education. I, I got my master's in educational leadership. Became um, a, a school leader. You know, vice principal and then district office um, management. And, and then in um, 2013, um, so my, my later husband, Francisco, who's from El Salvador, um, so still Spanish in, in my life, in my <laughs> world, but not, <laughs> um, um, he and I started a laser engraving business as a little side hobby thing like not i mean honestly we had no idea what we were doing okay we now i have know. some idea like just <laughs> just that to mention this i already know some stuff but that's cool okay <laughs> <laughs> um so so anyway i i don't know how much you wanted me to go into no like, it's up to you like, i mean it's cool i mean for me it's, is... it's super nice to hear i just said because it makes sense because I know you're you're doing also engraving and uh -huh. I'm connecting some dots. That's all. <laughs> right, right. So I'm kind of like, kind of leading into like how I discovered calligraphy, basically, because of it course. was a wiggle, like a wiggly path to calligraphy. It really didn't start with calligraphy, um, um, and so we started a laser engraving business. I I was at that time um, I had a you know, I had my, we both had our full-time day jobs. Um, I was in public education management. He was IT in IT. And um, I had a side gig as a consultant for the state of California for evaluating underperforming schools. And that was just like this little side thing that I did once a month. But you know, when you have a side gig, it's nice to have that extra money. And so you kind of get used to having this little, <laughs> extra money thing and we, we called it fun money so that we, we could spend it without feeling guilty about spending it um and that was it was like a thought it was like an extra thousand dollars a month you know it was really nice to have of course but it re yeah but it required me to travel 
like a six hour drive, no other good way to get there once a month for a weekend. So after two years of doing that on the side, it was getting, the traveling part was getting pretty old. Um, and Francisco had a laser engraver that he, you know, in the garage that he messed around with as his hobby, right? One of those garage toys. Uh, and um, so one one day I was like, you know, maybe if we make some stuff that other people would like, not your boy hobby stuff, <laughs> um, maybe I could sell some things and what if we could replace that consulting gig that I had? What if we could replace that fun money so I could stop traveling every month? And that's kind of, and we thought that that was an amazing, going to be an amazing goal. Like we, we thought that was far-fetched and never going to be possible. But that was how I started getting involved with him in the laser engraving. And, you know, he knew the technical side. He knew how to run the equipment, the machinery. <clears throat> he taught me that part. And then I, I did a lot of the graphic layouts, you know, the designs and, and combining the fonts and adding borders and, you know, just playing with the visual aesthetic part of the laser engraving. And I loved that. And I got really into computer fonts and, and, loved especially the fonts that were made with hand written calligraphy um, and that had like alternate ligature swashes that you could add on and things like that. I just, I loved fonts. And so <clears throat> over, over some, you know, less than a year of doing the laser engraving and doing all those graphics, I, I really wanted to be able to do to control the fonts more or have fonts that like, well, I want, I want it to go like this instead. So I started getting intrigued by the idea of making computer fonts and started looking into like, well, what, how do I make a font? How do, somebody made some of these fonts with handwriting. So somehow it's possible. <laughs> uh, I started poking around and that ended up getting software, um, high lot by high logic, um, to make fonts struggled through figuring out how that program works because it's not like the easiest program to use. And, um, and then that led me to like, well, I was like, well, if I'm going to make a font, I have to know how to do the calligraphy. <laughs> I don't know how to do calligraphy. Um, uh, so I looked online the first, um, the first like account that I kind of stumbled upon was um, Lindsay's account the postman's knock okay uh, so uh the postman's knock she has a bunch of of like worksheet downloads she's very active with posting new content all the time she shows a lot of demos she was the first person i came across and um so i bought a calligraphy pen i think from paper and ink arts uh, which year was this do you remember this was like this was like 2014. i'm a baby calligrapher <laughs> in the calligraphy world like i i look at these i look at people who you know i know we'll talk about who i who inspires me and who i i like but 
you know, so I'm such a baby in the calligraphy world still. I, I have so much to learn and there's so many people that have so much more experience and knowledge than me that it just blows me away. Um, but, but this was, so this was like 2014 before I even bought a pen and okay. I didn't know what I was doing. Of course, like I didn't even know how to pick out the nibs. Like there's, you know, you look online to buy nibs and there's umpteen billion <laughs> kinds and you know, like, I didn't even know how to pick nibs and to make sure that I got pointed pen nibs and not round nibs or any yeah yeah right um and then i remember i remember getting the nibs and getting some ink i don't remember what kind of ink i bought at first probably something that said calligraphy ink on it because <laughs> i wouldn't know how to pick otherwise and i remember dipping the nib in the ink and being like what what's wrong why it doesn't stick it doesn't work how to and it won't write because i can't get the ink to stick on it like i didn't even know you had to clean nibs first well like, most beginners don't know <laughs> like right? I, I think this is, this is one of the biggest problem with all people coming to calligraphy why my nib is not working what's what's going right. on right how, how does anybody get this to even work in the first place right so of course i struggled through all of that um and and it, it, I didn't find it easy to find that information. Mm -hmm. I, I I didn't find that it was really readily searchable, readily available information. And probably part of the problem was I didn't know enough to know how to search for the right information. Well, it's not only this. You know? It's not only this because back in 2014, this is the year where when I made calligraphy masters. This was mm -hmm. one of the reasons I created it because. I, like there was very few websites about calligraphy and most of them they were outdated super old very ugly and almost no information and yeah that was part of the reason that i started because there was wasn't much information at all right and then i also remember at that time in in in, in 2014 that was when instagram still only allowed 15 second videos and yeah. so Everybody would use um, what was that app? Hyperlapse, right? Oh, that's so back in the Do time. I don't really remember because I I, the first one two years I was not like I had an Instagram account, but I wasn't I, I didn't start yet posting regularly uh -huh. there. People would use this app. I think it was called Hyperlapse to like speed their videos way up mm -hmm. because they had to make it fit into fifteen seconds. Yeah, and so. Um, and people would always post, you know, oh, video at six times speed or video at four times speed. So intellectually, I knew that the video was sped up, but at the same time, like, how do you really um, visualize what, how to reverse six times speed? Yeah. You know, yeah. and so I knew that things, I knew that people's videos, those 15 second clips, were really faster than they were actually writing. But at the same time, I just thought, I thought like, oh, they're writing at regular writing speed and then and then speeding the video up from there, right? Yeah. So I also yeah. remember that I was trying 
first I was trying to just get the ink to stick to the nib. <laughs> then I was trying to write at regular handwriting speed because I thought that that's what people were doing. Um, and then I remember it was it was a couple months in to me getting being completely frustrated um, um, before I saw a real time video. Okay. And I saw like how actually slowly people were writing. And that was the most mind blowing moment for me <laughs> right there. Like, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean it's okay to go? Like I can go that slowly. And I remember go running to like find my pen and pick it up again. So I remember that being a huge revelation moment. Um, wow, this this, yes. this just makes me think because I, <laughs> I never like I ne if I think about it, I never like uh, I was not surprised. Like I knew they were sped up and I just didn't expect to write faster. So I was going with my own speed. But just you saying it, it makes so much sense because uh, so many people have asked similar things. And I'm just mm -hmm. it, 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 it's, it's crazy how people How uh, like wait how to say it? Uh, how deceiving all this stuff is for new people. It, it was very deceiving, and so um, you know, and I remember that so vividly, and I still to this day, I, I don't post a lot of videos because, gosh, videos are just so hard to get the right angle and without the camera in my way, and um, so I, I don't. I it's one of my goals but it's been one of my goals for like a year to post more videos. Um, but when I do post a video, I'm very cognizant to at least make sure that part of the clip is at real time. I, I really hardly ever, um, hardly ever post anything where there's nothing showing people how slowly you're actually going. That might not be a hundred percent true. There might be a video or two out there that I've posted all sped up again, trying to get it to fit into the current time limitations that have gotten a lot longer now. But I just didn't, I don't want to do that to anybody else, to any other newbies out there that, you know, are, are struggling. Because I remember how, how crazy that was huh. of a revelation to me. So I try to be very aware of that. This is cool because besides you, I mean, Paul Antonio is the only one who, and I've spoken with him, he doesn't want to speed up his videos. And I've been telling him, you have to speed them up <laughs> because, I mean, algorithms work in such way that if you want to be seen, videos has to be short. Right. They have to, like, I mean, I know it's not good for calligraphers, for, especially for new calligraphers, but if you want to grow an audience, uh, this is what you have to do. Right. And Now that we are just discussing it, I, I, I thinking I'm thinking maybe I just should focus, you know, spread a bit more information, like maybe write an article and start mentioning it more often, because there are definitely or, a lot of people who don't know about this. Or like I said, you know, even if you know, I totally understand the need to speed up videos, but maybe you know, you can split the video and have a a a, sec a few seconds of it at real speed. And then have it speed, and then have it speed up, right? So at least people would get a glimpse 
of like, oh yeah, we go really slowly. Like calligraphy is not a speed sport. <laughs> no. Yeah, but there, uh, there are some people who can write very beautiful and very fast, but those are all masters and people who have experienced more than 20, 30 years. And... Oh, if you've seen, if you've seen um, Chin Long open ink the, uh, from open ink stand, Chin Long writes so fast. It's, it's crazy. I'm con, I, I just, I tease her all the time. I'm like, how do you think anybody else can do this? You're like superhuman or something. <laughs> oh. I, I've seen her videos on YouTube. Uh, I love her work actually a lot. She's great. She's great. Um, yeah. So, so anyway, I had the same bumpy, you know, bumpy beginning to trying to figure it out and um, as everybody else. So, and then I, and then long story short, you know, I just continued to uh, develop, <clears throat> use the laser engraving business and use Francisco's craftiness and maker, maker's side. Uh, I, I just, I rope him in on everything. And, and so eventually, <clears throat> Eventually, um, oh, I started making ink stamps also. So like self-inking stamps. And so that was, that tied into, you know, kind of lettering things and and that world of stationery and everything. And then, and then at some point I was trying to find a, a calligraphy pen that was more comfortable to me. I don't have the right grip. I. I rest on my ring finger, two two fingers on top, and really? um, like that. I like a, yeah, like that. It's yeah. just it's how I've been writing since I was, you know, four years old or whenever you start picking up a pencil. And um, Paul Antonio and I'll go, you know, we'll go head to head on this one, um, and we have because you know Paul Antonio has done so much research on the anatomy of the hand and the muscular structure of the hand and. I mean, he's, he's amazing at his geekery and all of that, um, right? But not everybody can do what he can do. And so I, I, I fully believe and trust him that he's probably completely right about however, you know, it might work best. But at the same time, I truly believe that, you know, when you're as old as, you know, I was in my, I was 40 before I picked up a pen. Um, a calligraphy pen. I, I'm not going to change my grip at that point. I've been I've been holding a pencil the way I've been holding a pencil <laughs> since I was four years old. Like, you know, it's hard enough just to learn how to get the nib to work for you and make the right letter forms. I'm not going to also add in the factor of trying to hold the pencil in a way that's not comfortable to me. So, so I um I like a thicker a thicker grip. Or like even I just reached over even my iPad my eye pencil like I have this okay this grip on it because it's just that's what feels more comfortable to me and um I was trying to find a a pen holder that was thicker and and um the ones that I was finding online at that time you know were really expensive like 250 dollars or so and well they still are pretty expensive <laughs> right right and and rightfully so, because they're nice, you know, quality, handmade, very well crafted 
holders, but but it made me nervous to spend that much money online, not knowing if it was gonna be so um I was I was laying in bed with my laptop searching and Francisco looked over and um you know he was probably on his laptop too, you know, laptops in bed, super sexy. <laughs> And, um, and he sees, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm trying to find a, 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 a clicker if you can. And he goes, well, I'll make you one. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so anyway, he started, um, figuring out how to, you know, on the lathe again, he's a maker. He's, he's, he's a, he's a maker guy. That's so um, cool. Like, I, I, so, I wish I had a Francesco. <laughs> I know, right? So, so, so then he's, he's, he's turning it on the lathe and he'd be like, come here. And it's still attached to the lathe. And I'd be like trying to see what it felt like. No, no, it's more. And anyway, so he made me some, um, holders. And again, this is probably, this is around 2014, 15 still. Um, and, and, and then people would see me using them and started asking if, where did I get it? I'm like, well, my husband made it. <laughs> my husband made it. And like, well, can he make me one? Um, so that's how Ink Me This started. It was completely by accident, you know? <laughs> okay, but to this time, what was the script you started with? Was it some uh, copper plate, some Spencerian, modern calligraphy? Or like It was like, there's no name to what I was doing. It was awful. <laughs> Come on, like we it all start at so, this point. Right. So, I mean, I was doing modern, but not a nice modern. I was doing at that time, I, you know, I didn't know anything about traditional hands at the beginning. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of what you would see more readily online, whether it was Instagram or even, you know, even in Target, like stuff on shirts and pillows it was all modern style at um that i was seeing and and so i i really thought at that point that you know just the thick getting the thicks and the thins and then beyond that whatever you want to make the letters look like like it's your choice and anything goes you know <laughs> so um and i was very very clueless um and so i just was looking and seeing different scripts and kind of imitating i also was imitating different you know computer fonts if i saw letter forms in computer fonts that i liked i was trying to make those and kind of inventing my own you know style um as i went and then and then i think it was around 20 17 that I came across copper plate um script and again I'm a I'm a baby calligrapher still in this world like um and so so I really focused then on learning copper plate or started to focus on learning copper plate um but still doing like modern and then but of course the copper plate started to influence the modern and then i think everybody will relate also i'm sure you'll relate to this like once you start learning you realize how little you know yeah you know, at first you think that 
you're like, oh, I got this. I'm going good. <laughs> and then you start learning. You start learning and you realize like you know nothing. <laughs> right? As you start learning about everything that's out there and the whole world that's out there that you didn't even know existed and you realize how little you know. Um, and it becomes uh, like sometimes I wish I still was clueless because I was just happily, happily <laughs> clueless. <laughs> But you say 2017, by this point, like you've been like three years into calligraphy, did you, um, did you already fall in love with calligraphy and start being artist or it was not yet this moment? No, I was, I was really loved it. I really loved just the look of pointed pen, um, you know, those, those shades and hairlines, just the complimentary um, look of that. And, and so then I, then I got introduced and to the whole classic hands world and copper plate and, and then Spencerian. And then after that learned about, you know, that Italian hand existed and <laughs> you start learning about all these other things that you didn't even know were out there. Um, and in 2018, I think it was, um, I got introduced to I am Peth. Okay. Um, and so that's when I learned about I am Peth. And that then of course completely changed my world. And I just made the best friends and connections through I am Peth that are these people that have, you know, 25, 30, 40, 50 years of calligraphy experience. And I'm just like, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and totally jealous. Like I wish that I, I wish that I had that many years of experience. Um, and uh, so you know now, and some of them are now my dearest friends. And, and did you just... make some workshops with them when you discovered them? Did you attend some workshops or? I couldn't. So for the longest time, it was really difficult to find any workshops, even, even being here, um, you know, in the Bay area, I, I had a really hard time finding workshops. So I still was, I still was mostly trying to learn from, you know, looking at things online, printing exemplars, um, watching whatever videos I could see. So certainly had, you know, the influences of, of the teachers. And, um, you know, I remember, I remember feeling like since I hadn't really taken a class at that point, I remember saying and thinking that I was self-taught. Now I have a completely different perspective on that. Now I believe that it, nobody can say that they're self-taught. Like no matter what, we all are learning from what we're seeing other people do. We're all learning from other people's exemplars, from um, you know watching their videos online. Just because you're not directly being taught by them individually or taking an actual workshop from them, you're still learning from them. Like I don't think any of us can actually claim to be self-taught. Wait, this is very interesting point of view. And I, I'm confused. I'm just trying to process if this is like, <laughs> if this is true. I have to think a lot about it, but I will. I will think about this. I mean, I never thought about it this way. 
Maybe you're right. <laughs> and maybe that's because I my career was as a teacher that I feel that way, you know. Um, maybe that's partially influencing my, you know, my philosophy on that. But but you know, we I I believe that that we have to credit <clears throat> we have to credit all of those people that we learn from even if we weren't formally sitting in their class. You know, yeah. so like I haven't ever sat in a class with Paul Antonio, but I, I've learned from him for sure. Right. So, <clears throat> um, for example, and the, I could go on and on with my list of people like that. Right. And I need to credit. I, I feel like it's it's only right to credit that. So um, then what? Then, then I did. Then I did have opportunities um, to take a couple of classes in person. Especially going to IMPeth um, was amazing for that. I took um, Italian Hand from Heather Held. Like I don't think anybody can think of Italian Hand, or at least you know, in, in my world, you can't think of in my little brain. You can't think of Italian Hand without thinking of Heather Held. Right. And you, and I took flourishing and um, from Suzanne Cunningham. Right. Who, who can talk about flourishing without Suzanne Cunningham? And I took Spencerian from Michael Saul and and wow. Harvest Crit and Harvest Crittenden and um, took, let's see, and then took signature design from Mike Ward and wow. Um, You've attended some you know, nice so, workshops. Right. So I then I had, you know, I feel like super blessed to have um, had the opportunity to to be just around these people that I think are so amazing. Um, I'm still I'm still not friends with a broad edge nib. So um, Sachin. <laughs> Sachin is still has a lot of work to do with me when it comes to making friends with a broad edge nib, but I've taken um, his italics class. I hosted him for italics and, and he'll be back again in June. So I'll be I'll be again in in June trying to force myself to become friends with a broad edge nib. I don't know why people say that a broad edge is easier than pointed pin. It is. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I'm mostly writing with broad edge pens and nibs and like for the longest time I owned like pointed nibs, but I, I, I just didn't, they were just sitting there. I, I don't know. It's very, it's very confusing and hard for me to. Like... That's how I feel about broad edge nibs. <laughs> and, and granted, I have to also recognize I have not put the time into, I have not put the time into them because Every time I every time I sit down and think, all right, I'm I'm going to get the hang of this. I'm going to practice with a broad edge nib. About 10, 15 minutes in, I'm so annoyed. <laughs> but you know, I'm so, all, I'm so all, frustrated. Also, I think like the pointed nib uh, scripts, they're more like uh, feminine in a way, you know. So like, I don't want to put a gender on the script, but right. some, somehow it, it's more like. Uh, feminine to me like more like uh, you know very like uh, I don't know how to explain my English is not so good but uh, no, like, I think for my experience more most people that do with the uh, broad patch broad edge nips or pens are, are guys 
for some reason. I, you know, for me, um, I do prefer the the elegance in my mind. Um, I know that's very subjective of pointed pen. Um, even in over time, my pointed pen scripts, I do a much lighter shade at this point than I used to do. Like I, I have over time preferred a, a thinner and thinner shade to my script. I don't even like really heavy, thick shade. Um, and so, yes, I, I do prefer the aesthetics, the look of, of pointed pen, but then again, there's definitely, um, like you take italic hand. I love italic hand that has the tall A cinders and, and, you know, the long D cinders and it gives it that, gives it that elegance and swoopiness and, and length, you know, that, that kind of is of the pointed pen world, um, like Huang um, does some beautiful italic hand like that, Sachin too, and um, you know, where it's really elegant and, but I can't make friends yet with a broad edge nib to even do it like basic. So I'm far from being able to do the style of broad edge that I am drawn to. <laughs> Um, but then I also love the way it looks when pointed pen is used for traditionally broad edge scripts, you know, like Mike Kessig with his taking Unchul and doing pointed pen Unchul. Like yes. I, pref I prefer the look of pointed pen Unchul over broad edge Unchul. Okay. I think it's more elegant looking. It's more... So that's, and it's, it's, it's aesthetics. It's all personal taste, right? Of course. So, so I am definitely a pointed pen, you know, person, <laughs> one trick pony. <laughs> <laughs> and from, from I, I just have a question because uh, we're going far from the team, but you set all these workshops. Do you remember which was your first, very first workshop and how much it changed? with uh, about you i think my very first actual workshop was um pat blair um pat blair came to the um to berkeley for a three-day workshop and um and i thought oh my gosh an opportunity to learn from the white house chief calligrapher wow now, at that time she still was the White House cl chief calligrapher. And um, and I didn't know much about her work. She didn't post much on Instagram and her and her Instagram account at that time was private. Okay. So um, I didn't know much about her work, but I knew she was the White House chief calligrapher, so she must be good, right? Of course. <laughs> so I went, I, I signed up for the workshop because it was, Again, I hadn't seen any opportunities in my area, even looking, you know, San Francisco, you know, Bay Area. <clears throat> so when I saw that she was coming um, and she was teaching her, it was called um, copper plate undressed or undressed copper plate. It's like a casual, a casual, it's really a modern script that is based on copper plate mm -hmm. um 
And so I signed up and went and she was lovely, lovely person. Um, so, so nice to spend the weekend with. And then, and then of course, you know, started following her on Instagram. I remember that in the class, we had to tell her how to accept our requests because her account was private. <laughs> um, so that was my, I think that was my very first, um, um, class. And, and of course, because it was undressed copper plate, I was like, oh, well, I need to practice copper plate before I go to this workshop. But that was the beginnings. That was the, that was the beginnings. But, yeah. And at, at what point you like, you knew you fell in love with calligraphy and you felt like uh, artist or calligrapher? Or I still say. don't. I still don't feel like an artist. Um, well, like a, like a calligrapher. I mean, you said you're like someone who, yeah. never, who never been into, like you had nothing to yeah. do with uh, art in general. So I consider calligraphy kind of an art, even though it's craft, but right. let's say it's it's part of the art. Of course it is. I, there's That's a whole nother conversation. Like I feel comfortable talk, calling myself a calligrapher, but I don't feel comfortable calling myself an artist. It, that's a whole nother like topic. Okay, at, at what point <laughs> um, you feel? Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of, of because it was sort of this, you know, it was sort of this blurry transition between doing the, the, computer graphics for engraving and then, and then doing the font and I made computer fonts and then and in the meantime still trying to learn the calligraphy and you know to it was kind of it's kind of this blurry line of when you feel like you know how to do enough that you can kind of claim like yeah I'm a calligrapher um <laughs> uh but but then it but it, you know things kind of happened quickly I feel um we kept drawing I kept drawing on my you know again my kind of more math analytical um, background and my father being an engineer, I was always raised like he would make me sit with him and take radios apart and take, you know, change the muffler on the car and adjust the carburetor on the car and stuff. And so I was always raised with this very, um, kind of you can make things you can do things you can figure things out um, mentality so as i was doing my calligraphy i kept coming across things that i need felt like would make my life easier as a calligrapher and that i needed but i couldn't find them out there so i think mostly what my calligraphy world um participation has been is that I I look at the calligraphy world and go how can I try to what can I use to make this easier what can I make how would this make my life easier and if I can't find something out there then we figure out how to create it and invent it and then I figure that if if it's something that I could use other people could probably use it as well so that's really been a lot of of my world is kind of creating things um 
and making things that other calligraphers can then use. And it's it's all stemmed out of my own need for something. My mm -hmm. like wanting to find a holder that was more comfortable to me, but didn't cost me $250. Or, or um, when I was looking for an inkster, I wanted an inkster that would plug in so that I didn't have to be dealing with batteries. And I wanted one that had a, that didn't have like a certain hole in it where you have to use a certain size jar because I didn't want to have to transfer all my ink to a certain size jar. So I remember searching online, searching online, I couldn't find something that fit my um, desires other than like these really clunky, ugly laboratory equipment things, right? And you made one? And I didn't want an ugly, clunky laboratory thing sitting on my calligraphy desk where I'm trying to make beautiful stuff, right? Yeah, so then, so then I, so, and I'm pretty bold. I'm not too shy. Um, and, and, and so I called a laboratory equipment company and said, hey, you know how to make these magnetic stirrers and, but they're really ugly. <laughs> um, and I'm, I do calligraphy and I would like to use your stirrer for ink, um, but I, I don't want this ugly thing on my desk. Can we work together? And can can I partner with you? And I will design the aesthetics of it so that it will be a nice piece of equipment for the calligraphy world. But obviously, like I'm not a mechanical engineer, so you guys need to keep doing the innards of it <laughs> so so that was um that was around that was like back in 2017 i think um <clears throat> so that was the first that was the first product like that that i did okay. um so yeah it was so ben ben inkster the there's a ink me this inkster that that i developed with a with with a yeah, laboratory so, equipment. So what exactly is ink me disc? Because you mentioned earlier when your husband made the uh, pen holder and what what right. what is inside ink me disc? Like uh, are there products? Well, are so, there services? And also, what's the difference between ink me disc and learncalligraphy.com? Um, so ink me this actually started as our stamp making business. Okay like ink stamps, you know, self-inking stamps that we were making with the laser engravers. So laser engraved rubber ink stamps. So that's actually how Ink Me This started was stamps. So, and still, we still make stamps. And if you look on inkmethis.com, there's still, you know, stamps, custom stamps, um, now calligraphers send me their writing to use to make stamps as well. So that's really how Ink Me This started. And then just got kind of lucky that the name Ink Me This was generic enough. It wasn't specifically about stamps, right? And yeah. ink, ink <laughs> goes across the, the worlds of what we do. So then when I started doing calligraphy and Francisco started making the calligraphy pens, the holders, then those got added 
to that to that website for sale. And then when we partnered with the lab equipment company and started manufacturing the inksters, those became part of it. And then there's other products. So Paul Antonio and I, um, cause he also does, you know, some has done product development. We like to chat about that side of things. Um, and, um, and then, <clears throat> And then, you know, developed a couple of, of other items for use in calligraphy. And um, I think in maybe 2018, um, I remember getting a, a message on Instagram from Suzanne Cunningham. And she messaged me on, on Instagram and said, you know, hi, Kestrel. Uh, this weekend I was teaching a workshop and some of my, some of the students had your, your products with them. And I saw them for the first time. And I really think that you need to sell these things, um, in John Neal books and paper and ink arts. And I was like, what <laughs> Suzanne Cunningham knows I exist. <laughs> that was my first reaction. <laughs> I had never interacted with her before. And, um, so it was just, starstruck you know that she even knew i existed and then not only that she was encouraging me to sell my product to reach out to sell my products at, in those shops and which had not even occurred to me because you know i'm like i'm this over here um but i did so i reached out to to both of the shops and got products in there so that you know just that's how everything has gone just little by little and feel incredibly lucky with the connections that I've made in the community feel incredibly um, grateful to how open this community is and supportive this community is and so I've just tried to also be a part of that side of this community. So then Ink Me This is still going. Ink Me This is like the product side, mm -hmm. physical mm -hmm. stuff that gets shipped, right? Um, or my calligraphy services, if I do commissioned work or do do on-site. How many, how many products have you developed so far? Like you do know the number of different well, products? The main ones like that I'm the most um, proud of at this point or that are the kind of the biggest accomplishments that I feel at this point are the inkster and the and the um, micromotor engraver, which is another product that I mean, I don't think anybody's under the illusion that I'm a mechanical engineer and like developed the actual workings of it. That well, was another product. No, but this is kind of this is kind of enter enter uh, entrepreneurship. Like, wait, how <laughs> to pronounce it? You know what I mean? I mean <laughs> You, you make products and they're good and people use them. So nobody right. expects that you develop so, them or something. Right. With the, with the engraver, with that, it was like, I remember trying to figure out, I'd see people doing engraving, um, but I remember it took me a good six months maybe to figure out like, what are people using to do this? Like mm. how, what do you buy? What equipment, what, what kind of equipment works well? for what we do. Um, 
And because, you know, of course, my husband who has every tool imaginable, um, um, of course he had like a, a Dremel, you know? Mm. Um, so I tried with that. That's really hard because it vibrates more and it's hard to hold. It's very clunky. Anyway, anyway, I remember that at that time, um, it was, it was kind of a secret in the community, what to use for engraving people who did engraving, um, seemed to hold it very tight to their chest. Um, what should be used, what equipment to buy. Really? There were even, yeah, there were even people in the engraving community who like, they would refuse to tell you what to buy because you had to take their class what? in order to know. And, and that was the first time that in this community, I came across that attitude. Um, and not to say, not to say by any means that, that all the people out there doing engraving were like that. It's just that the ones that were readily visible on Instagram, the ones that, you know, there's now at this point, I know plenty of other people who have been doing engraving for like 20 years who are more open about things, but they don't, they're not active on social media. So they're not you know, you don't learn about them. You don't know about them yeah. easily to be able to ask them. Um, so any, so I, after figuring out my good friend of mine, Nina Sandalin here in the Bay area, she was, you know, both of us at that same time. And she kind of found out first and told me and anyways, then same thing with the engraver as with the stir, I felt like okay, what's the best one to use? Um, so I bought like, I don't know, I probably spent like $3,000 buying, buying all different ones that I could find and testing them out and trying them out. Um, and then landed on one produced, um, that was produced by a dental company for dentist work for laboratory, laboratory dental work. Um, okay. and again, so again, just being how I am called them up and talked to the owner, rich of the company. And I'm like, Hey, rich, my name's Kestrel and I'm a calligrapher and I'd like to use your micromotor drill to do calligraphy engraving. And he was like, what <laughs> to do what? <laughs> And he's been in the dental industry for 30 years. Like he's been selling to dentists, to laboratories, to, you know, that world for 30 years. And his father was, I can't remember if his father was a dentist or in the dentist equipment business also. So, so, and I, I chatted with him on the phone. I said, yeah, and this is what we would use. You know, this is how calligraphers use this type of equipment. This is what we could do. Um, and, and he got it then once he wrapped his head around the idea of a dental drill being used for art, he got really excited about the possibility of kind of like me partnering with him to bring this product to a whole nother community, a whole nother market market. Right. Yeah. 
And so, um, but again, I said to him, but two problems. One, we, I want to make it look nicer because <laughs> this is ugly. <laughs> We're all about, I mean, everything that we do is to try to create beauty, right? Beautiful yeah. things. And so we like to also have our tools and supplies and equipment be nice looking so that it's also inspiring and it fits into the world that we're in. Um, so I talked to him about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Rich, it works great, but it's ugly. <laughs> um, and so... <laughs> I love so, that. <laughs> So then that was one, that was one, you know, kind of problem that I wanted to solve with him. The other aspect was that I wanted it to be more accessible, more readily um, apparent to the calligraphy community. This is what you can use, right? So I also wanted to, you know, market it as a calligraphy engraver. Like nothing was nothing out there at that time. And still, as far as, you know, still to what I've seen, nothing out there is being marketed as this is a calligraphy engraver so that people who don't know, know <laughs> this is what you can use this thing right here. Right. Um, and I also wanted it to come with all of the parts that you need. Mm. So those, those other engravers, when I had bought a bunch of different pieces of equipment to test them out and to try and to see what worked the best. In all of those cases, I also had to research like, well, what call it size is it? You know, what, how big is the hole that you stick the burr in? And is it the right size for the type of burrs that we need to use for engraving? And if not, then what call it reducer do I need to buy? And you had to buy everything separately. Like you had to research, okay, so this engraver has a one eighth inch, call it, but the burrs um, tend to be one sixteenth inch or three thirty second inch. So I need to have a reducer from one eighth inch to three thirty second inch to use these burrs. And I have to have a reducer from one eighth inch to one sixteenth inch to use these burrs. And you had to buy all that stuff separately or you would get this piece of expensive equipment in the mail and still not be able to use it. Hmm. And so that was another aspect that I felt was a stumbling block to solve for the calligraphy community. Um, so when I started um, selling and marketing the calligraphy engraver, you know, it comes with the reducer that's needed and it comes with just some burrs. I mean, you have to buy more burrs. Burrs, burrs are like nibs yeah. they're disposable you know you can't expect to use the same nib for the rest of your life and you certainly can't expect to use the same burr for forever either you know but it comes with 10 so that you right out of the box you can open the box and you can do something with it right that was important to me just like i think it's really ridiculous to sell a calligraphy pen that doesn't have a nib and nib with it i would never do that well, I would, I always ship a nib. It might not be the nib that that person ends up wanting to use, but wow. I always include a nib with the pen. Cause how are you gonna, how, how are you gonna sell a holder and not just at least put a nib in there? Come on. 
A nib costs a dollar. Wait. Put one in the box. Okay, I'll start doing it. <laughs> I never thought about this. <laughs> wow, I mean, this is just mind opening. <laughs> Seriously, but like you, you just said, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, why I haven't done this? <laughs> well, I'm preparing. Give new... them a nib, <laughs> just. Yes, I'm preparing new pen holders, and I'll, I'll ship them with nibs. I promise. <laughs> It's thanks to Castro. <laughs> wow, wow. I mean, you know, like I said, they don't cost very much. Right. Wow. So this is make sure that the person gets one. <laughs> Thank you for right? this. Thank you. This uh, is this is really a good one. I mean, I'm just <laughs> serious. Wow. Why haven't thought of this? Um. Yeah. So. So. Um. Then. So anyway. So those are those. Are, and then I've developed some other like rulers and and um and templates and, and things. Um, right now I'm waiting for a shipment that's on the way um, of a new uh, a product that Suzanne and I work on together. So Suzanne's daughter is getting married this fall. I can't even imagine um, you know, having a mom like Suzanne to do all your wedding calligraphy, wow. uh, right? <laughs> So her daughter is getting married this fall and she was um, working on, she needed to address the save the date envelopes, but um, they had a, they have gold lining in them. And so she couldn't use her light pad. And Suzanne very much likes to have both a baseline and a waistline. Mm -hmm. So while yes, she could use a laser um, to do it, she just really wanted to have both lines and so she called me or texted me i don't know and she said kestrel um you know do you think you can help me make a template um and so that i can easily put a baseline and waistline on these envelopes that i need to address for my daughter's save the dates and i really want them to look nice because of course everybody's <laughs> you know like Um, and so, and I said, of course, um, and I know that Suzanne always uses the same guide sheet for envelope addressing. Like, it doesn't matter what size envelope it is. It doesn't matter, you know, anything. Suzanne has her one guide sheet that she uses for envelope addressing all the time, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I have that, I had that guide sheet. So I said, of course, you know, I have your guide sheet. I'll make you a, a template that you can use. So went out to the shop, you know, designed the graphic for the laser cutting and marking, found a piece of scrap material because we have, you know, so it was just a piece of, of scrap material, made her a couple of templates. I kept testing myself and then measuring, you know, you got to take into consideration the width of the, the pencil line and the distance that the lead is from the edge of the template when you mark. Right. Mm -hmm. To then make sure that you're still she, her her guide sheet is at a four millimeter X height. And um, so cut the whole template for her, even added on her ace, her you know, a sender and descender lines to mark if she wanted to. Shipped it off to her. I'm like, just let me know how it works. I can always make another one. You know, again, scrap material. We have the laser cutters. And uh And so 
She's like, oh, this is great. You should make more of them and sell them. <laughs> um, so, but then the one thing about it was it being plastic in order to put um, also a number line. Um, you know, that is very, um, very small strip of plastic on this template between the waistline of your X height and the number line height. So that little thin strip of plastic was too weak. Mm -hmm. You know, if you pushed on it with the pencil, it wobbled it, which didn't work. Um, so then I started researching manufacturers that could make a, a metal, a template out of thin metal, like credit card thickness metal. Um, so those are made Right now I'm waiting for them to be electroplated because I wanted them again to look nice. So I'm having them electroplated in like a, a goldish color. Um, so that was, that'll be the, the Suzanne Cunningham ink me this envelope liner. Um, okay, so things so cool. just happen. Things just happen because they happen. You know, it's nothing planned out necessarily. Um, so that's coming. Just listening then, to all this, I'm thinking like, okay, what's gonna be the, the product uh, Ink Me This uh, with the Calligraphy Masters? I'm like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? Here's another thing, another problem that I was like, you know, we all like writing on leather. Yeah. And doing calligraphy on leather is such, right? I'm sure you probably have a leather, leather blotter on your on your desk, you know, leather has been used for hundreds of years as a writing surface, right? For reducing the friction of the nib. Mike Ward makes beautiful hand um, foiled leather blotters. Yes. We make them laser engraved, right? But not really my point about the leather ones. My point more is that, so that feels really good to write on again, because of that reduction of the friction caused between the metal nib and the hard surface substrate. Surface. Mm -hmm. um, but, but you can't put, you can't put a leather blotter on a light pad. Because okay. obviously then you're blocking the light, right? And light flat light pads are, are hard glass or plastic. Um, and like, I can't do calligraphy without my light pad. Don't take my light pad away. <laughs> I still don't have a light pad and just last few days, oh my gosh. I was so much in need, but I, I don't have it. <laughs> they're so inexpensive now on Amazon. Um, they're, they used to be much more expensive. Now they're so readily available and so inexpensive. It doesn't even matter what brand. There's so many good ones out there. But, and um, so Harvest Crittenden doesn't use a, a light pad either and we always we always tease each other and joke about that because i'm like i can't i don't even know how you survive without a light pad but she's been doing this for 50 years so she doesn't <laughs> she's she's got every trick up her sleeve um anyway so i was like how how can i get that same result of the smoothness of the nib flowing on my light pad but not block the light of the light pad because obviously we need it to function. So again, just started poking online, searching, searching, buying different materials to test them out. 
you know, lots of hours in bed with the laptop. <laughs> Again, really. This really is the best place for ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to get done with your day, right? You have to finish all the stuff on your to-do list before you can research these extra ideas. Anyways, finally found a material. I'm gonna pull it off of my light pad. It's a flexible, um, a flexible, it's a type of flexible PVC. I know, actually. I have the same thing. I had this okay. at home. Okay, so yes. it was difficult to find this. So anyways, now we, um, we have it made in like huge rolls and then we cut them to different sizes for light pads and and personalize them if you, people want with their name and laser engrave them before shipping them out so that's another like ink me this product again seeing a need of my own everything has been because I wanted something or I needed something. Well, other than this envelope template now that Suzanne needed, <laughs> right? Um, and then and then again, figuring that if I need it or I feel like it could be useful, then I can't be the only one. And if you ever have manufactured anything, you know that it's incredibly expensive to just make one of something. Of course. Right? So if I were to try to invent, manufacture something just for my own purposes, you know, that would cost me thousands of dollars for this one item, which is not realistic either. So then I try to kind of kill two birds with one stone, so to speak, and get that thing that I want for my own use, provide it to other people so that we can collectively as a mass group pay for the production of, you know, and bring that individual price down by manufacturing, you know, a thousand or two thousand or of, of the item mm -hmm. so that we can all get it at much cheaper, including myself. <laughs> um, and then, <clears throat> and then learn calligraphy.com um, came when I filmed a, in, a course on engraving because again my I felt like I didn't I don't like it when something feels difficult to figure out and and learn about um, and with my background as a public school educator kind of come from that mentality that information should be readily available and and knowledge should be shared and and we all have something to contribute to learning and we can all be teachers of each other in some way. Um, so I filmed in 2018, very beginning of 2019, um, a, a self-paced video class um, for engraving and needed a platform to put the course onto because my website for Ink Me This is great for selling products, but it doesn't have the ability to have an online course. Like mm -hmm. that website is not built for that. It just technically doesn't work for that. So opened um, learncalligraphy.com to put that engraving course up. And then right 
like right when that was launching um, was when the pandemic started, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I had been teaching private students via Zoom. I had, I had for a couple of years had been using Zoom to teach, um, to teach individual students one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and, and I remember I used to have to tell people like, well, we'll, we'll use Zoom. And they'd be like, well, what's Zoom? <laughs> and I remember saying, I remember saying all the time, like, oh, don't worry. You know, Zoom is kind of like Skype. We'll be able to see each other online and don't worry about it. You don't have to pay anything. I'll send you a link. All you do is click the link and you just have to have a camera on your computer. I had um, the same issue now that you say this. I had the same issue because I'm doing yeah. Zoom podcasts before the pandemic. Right. <laughs> right. So I was teaching calligraphy um, on Zoom before the pandemic. And then um, and then the pandemic hit. And of course, then the whole world was suddenly using Zoom. And there was a period of time there, um, not for very long, but like a month or two. And I'm sure you remember this being a prior Zoom user when all of a sudden Zoom was not working super well because suddenly there were thousands of people using Zoom and they weren't, their infrastructure wasn't prepared for that sudden increase. And they fixed that issue very quickly and caught up very quickly. But there was this period of time where I was like, damn it, everybody go get off of my Zoom. <laughs> I was here first. <laughs> You're, go away because it's not working anymore now with hundreds of thousands of people suddenly using Zoom. <laughs> um, and so so then um, <clears throat> then just decided to uh, take better advantage of the platform that I had already created, the website that was already built, um, learncalligraphy.com and reach out to you know Suzanne and and other calligraphers that I knew in the community and say hey let's let's offer classes together and um I'll take care of the computer side I'll take care of the you know the programming the portal and the locked registration and uploading the videos and all of that and you know you you come and teach with me and we'll 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 work together um and then sometimes i would teach and somebody else would like monitor the chat for me so but i did i would do all the computer side of things because i like that i like i'm still the i'm still a nerd at heart like i still love excel spreadsheets and <laughs> I love, you know, getting into the back end of a website and adding some custom HTML and it's super exciting when you get it to work right. Um, you know, like that's really where my heart is. I think that's why part of why I have a hard time calling myself an artist because I really love the like structured, technical, geeky stuff. Um, and I see artists as being more creative and free thinking and they just want to explore the possibilities and i just don't re I, it, i don't know well there's all um, kinds of artists so i know i know i know it's my own it's my own <laughs> conception anyway so <clears throat> so 
that's that's so learncalligraphy.com became like let's let's build a community of teachers and let's all work together and then you know harvest crittenden great friend of mine and she's been doing she um acorn arts for years has had online calligraphy courses but those were all pre-recorded mm-hmm. right like my engraving class was pre-recorded self-paced pre-recorded um and so she was she had already been doing that for i don't know a good 15 ish years i think long time um and i started doing the live online um and then the and then we had harvest and i had plans to work together she had invited me to go to film a class with her for acorn arts but then the pandemic again the pandemic started right and got in the way of that um but then she and i really decided to work together and we have a great relationship and again another example of the community of this community right so harvest and i are dear friends in fact we have a zoom wine date for later today <laughs> okay wow i never um, heard of this <laughs> oh zoom is great for many things including drinking wine with friends well that, that's a cool idea um and so so you know now we really collaborate with each other and we always um compare like who are you what classes are you planning and who are you planning to ask to teach and we try to make sure that that acorn arts and learncalligraphy.com are complementary to each other and you know offering different things and and we really um i love her and we work together a lot in that way and um and then now she's hosting me for you know classes and i host her for classes and we just build this one big happy family what classes right? are you teaching currently uh, except the engraving are you teaching something else um yeah i have my copper i'll be teaching copper plate um i teach so the main classes that i teach are copper plate and then i also have a calligraphy numbers class that that is really fun because i noticed that nobody spent a lot of time on numbers um True. and numbers always kind of get forgotten and lost and um always seem to be a a rush at the end of a workshop if they're covered you know like somebody in the class will inevitably say oh, can you show us numbers and there's you know 10 minutes left of class and the teacher's like oh yeah here you go <laughs> right so um about a few years ago i made a whole um just numbers class and so it's it's that's a fun i love that workshop because it's just fun and different and then i have my copper plate workshop that one's coming up next that one starts really soon but by the time this you know yeah i think this is <laughs> gonna be probably in a month and something else but yeah yeah but you know all the classes we try to bring circle them back around once or twice a year and and keep them going and keep adding new ideas so constantly trying to pull in um different different um different classes there's so much out there to how many teachers so are there at learning calligraphy and and also is there some difference around between 10. 10 teachers and around is, yeah yeah is there a difference with learning calligraphy and niptic i don't know if, if i pronounce it correctly right right so niptic i have i have too many balls in the air no I, that's pretty awesome i i love that <laughs> i love it 
<laughs> so Nibteek um, is a brand new site that just launched um, in mid-March this year, 2022. Mm -hmm. So at this point, as of today, it's not even been a month that Nibteek launched. And Nibteek is a platform for building a community of calligraphy artists to be hired for hire. Mm -hmm. So everybody is open to join. And when you join Nibteek, you create your own page, your own profile page with images of your work. You can upload your price sheet and list. You can designate like these are the types of services that I offer. Um, and and then you are visible and searchable to clients anywhere in the world. And again, Nibteek came out of me noticing that I was having trouble in an area. You know, I was having trouble finding a good platform to put myself out there to clients for commissioned work, right? Um, and how do you, how do clients find us mm -hmm. for hire? Especially, especially if you don't have a huge Instagram following or you don't, right? If you don't, like, how do you put yourself out there? And currently, well, until Nibteek, not currently anymore, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but you know, the other platforms that exist for that, where we can list ourselves as calligraphy artists, platforms like The Knot, Wedding Wire, 100 Layer Cake, Style Me Pretty, you know, there are certainly platforms out there, but they all have a few, I feel pretty crucial problems for the calligraphy industry. One being that they focus on weddings, which of course wedding work is part of calligraphy world, but it's certainly not the only thing that yeah. calligraphers do, right? So those sites are all very much for wedding industry um, and don't offer a way for us as calligraphers to showcase the other things that we do certificates, family trees, monograms, um, logo design, you, you know, there's a whole world out there that we do as calligraphers, right? Um, and then the next big problem with those sites is that they lump calligraphers into the category of invitations. So because they also have photographers, DJs, cake makers, forests, everything else. And then calligraphers are lumped into invitations, which again, yes, we can do invitations, but it is not the only thing that we do. And when you get lumped into this one category of invitations, you just get lost amongst printers and online mass produced pre-designed digital downloads and things like that, right? So you just get really get lost in that, in non-descriptive category. Um, and then the third main problem with the sites is that they are very geographically focused because all of those other vendor types, the florist, the photographer, the DJ, they need to be physically present mm -hmm. 
yeah. at that wedding, right? And so the, those sites are all geared toward search based on a city, on a particular city. Um, so when you join them, you have to say what city you're in, pay a ton. Most of those sites are over a thousand dollars a year. And, wow. and you only are visible in one city. Mm. That's it. But we know in the calligraphy world, like we don't need to be where the client is, except for, for some very specific types of work, you know, on-site work, large signage. Yeah, that's easier if you're in the same location, murals, window painting. Yes, you need to physically go, right? Later today, I'll be going to a winery to do their um, menu chalkboard wall thing, right? I have to go there, I have to be here. But for most of the other work that we do as calligraphers, we never see the client in person. We don't get invited to the wedding. We don't go to the event, right? It's all done on the phone. It's done with email proofs being sent. And then if it is a physical, it's being shipped to them, you know, after we finish the envelopes or the, even if it, even if it is wedding work, we don't need to see the client. And most of my clients have actually been on the East Coast because there's a lot more uh, formal events on the East Coast. Here in California, we're so casual. Like, as long as your jeans don't have stains on them, you can be appropriately dressed no matter where you go, it, where I live. Like, even the fanciest, you know, most expensive restaurant, French Laundry, is half an hour away from me it's you can't even hardly get a reservation there it's super fancy i could go dress like this and it would be fine yeah. you know we're very casual here in northern california so i never have local clients hardly hardly mm. unless it's for in-person work um and so those sites cost me a fortune and didn't really work for what to get me in front of clients elsewhere um, and so again, seeing that need, that hole um, for our communities um, and Francisco and I uh, started in 2019, developing a website that people could, you know, list themselves, but not be restricted by those things. And it would only focus on the calligraphy and engraving community so the categories instead of just being invitations hmm. you know the categories are much more geared toward toward the calligraphy community and break it down into different topics um so so uh and then again pandemic hit and you know we kind of put it on hold because it felt for a while like you know you didn't want to be you didn't want to be expecting anybody to to do anything new when they're just struggling to get through life for a while. And, and it was such a big project that we kept having to set it to the side to work on our daily day to day. Anyhow, um, so it took since 2019 of, of working on it to finally get the site launched um, in March. And there's already 
450 artists on there for hire that have, you know, created profiles and loading portfolios to show their work. And um, there's already people saying that they've been hired by clients mm -hmm. to, to do work from it. So it's just so exciting. Um, and the other, the other thing that was important to me in building the site was for it to be um, a community. So, uh, you know, I really believe that nobody should take commission off of somebody else's work. Like that, that's just wrong to me. I, I really believe um, if, if I'm asked to do a job and I'm not available, I'm, I don't feel comfortable doing that type of work or I'm not in the area because they didn't pay attention to where I was and I did need to be physically present. I, I fully believe in not just responding to that client with, I'm sorry, I'm not available. I, I, I always respond back with, I'm sorry, I'm not available. Thank you for thinking of me. And um, how he, I'd like to suggest that you reach out to so-and-so. And I always provide another name and their email address or their Instagram page or whatever I can provide of their contact information. Um, and so on Instagram, I created a, an Instagram page a few years back called, um, it's just uh, calligraphy engraving, where I would just post other people's pictures. And um, because Niptique didn't exist yet, I started making story highlights uh, where I'd just say, let's create a community of network of referring clients to each other and the rule is if you're asked to do work you can't just say no you have to say no and here's so and so hmm. and the other hmm. rule is you cannot take commission off of anybody else's work you it, it and and so <clears throat> i mean of course these are rules right these are like Right. No, um, this is pretty cool. I mean, and so and I said, just send me a picture of yourself working, you know, picture of yourself and send me a few pictures of your work. And I would create a quick little video of the images together as a story highlight with their name their and their link to their Instagram page and ended up with about 150 people in the network. Um, in the high story highlights. And that that was getting the ball rolling on Nibteek. So once Nibteek um, website was launched, which, you know, of course, on the story highlights, I was just putting a few pictures of their work. I wanted people, though, to be able to really control their own page, create their own profiles, edit and and change the images anytime that they wanted to and things like that. So um, once Nibteek was ready, once the website was live, all of those people that were the original, the original Instagram network of referring work to each other, um, they all were put on Nibteek. Hmm. Those story highlights aren't on there anymore. So those people were the original the you know the original founders of or so to speak um of building that community of of people referring work to each other so part of the way that the website works is that like on my profile page i have the ability to create my network of 
other calligraphers that I can recommend. Mm. So on the bottom of under, you know, it has my information. It's my, my page has my information and my portfolios and stuff. And then, and my price sheet and links to my Instagram and my website. And then underneath that, it shows the people that I am referring to if I'm not, you know, that I would recommend and everybody can do that. Everybody can do that for each other. That's um, very cool. So everyone who is watching or listening and is interested in what just Castro just said, I'll leave all the links to the all the websites uh, mentioned, including the Niptic in the description. So if you're on YouTube, you'll be able to find them. If not, I mean, they're mentioned many times. So I'm pretty sure <laughs> you'll find a way to go there. <laughs> and uh, what else? Like. Uh, what, what's from all this stuff that you've been do, doing calligraphy, engraving, uh, teaching and all the stuff like products, which, which is your favorite part about calligraphy? <laughs> Gosh, that's so hard. <laughs> that is so hard because I feel like what makes it exciting to me is the fact that that I get to do all these different things. So, so like, maybe this, is, to this my, is the answer. Like, Doing maybe, everything is your favorite part. Tendencies. <laughs> okay. Right. I, I do. I think that that's what is exciting about this world of calligraphy. There is so many things that can be done with it. And, and, and that, you know, it just, I have a hard time staying focused because I'm constantly thinking of something else that I want to do. And it drives Francisco crazy. He's always like, <laughs> Can we just chill out? <laughs> I'm like, no. There's, but what about this and that and this and that and this and that that I haven't been able to get to yet because they're still on the to-do list. And he's like, the problem is that you add two things to the to-do list every time you take one thing off. No, you add five things to the to-do list every time you take one thing off. I'm like, I can't help it. <laughs> No, but that's pretty cool. I mean, better to be creative and do stuff uh, rather than doing nothing, you know. I mean, I love this about you. Uh, uh, I mean, your work shows like uh, you, you do so much good things for the community. It's amazing. Well, likewise, I mean, I, I, I know how hard I work and how many hours I put in a week and how there's really no such thing as an actual weekend, right? And I mean, I know that for myself. And then I look at what you're doing and I don't even comprehend how you fit it all in, honestly, because you have such a huge community that you've built. I know you're getting drowned in messages, drowned in, you know, emails and you post so much good content. It's, it's really impressive. You must not sleep at all because i know i know i don't sleep much <laughs> you must like not sleep at all well i sleep but sometimes i don't like there's definitely been times that i just work for like 20 30 hours straight but i don't know it, it's, it's passion it's what it's what we love doing you know? right right but wow time flies it's like it's been almost two hours like <laughs> i know i i, I, I just uh, saw the the time I, I didn't expect like just listening to all this story so cool but yeah let's uh, i have uh, like a few more 
important, like two or three important questions. Okay. And uh, throughout all these years uh, being involved with calligraphy, can you mention a few names that uh, influenced you, that were inspiring you a lot, and a few names that currently are looking up to it, that inspire you with their calligraphy lettering? Or... That there's so many amazing artists out there. Um, I think I've already I've already mentioned a lot of the ones that that really come to my mind um, immediately on my day to day. You know, on a I I don't think a day goes by that that I'm not at some point thinking about you know Suzanne's work or Harvest's work or um, or you know Trelay is one I can't even wrap my head around <laughs> Tree Lay's skill and talent. And he's so well, young, he's so young. <laughs> I, it kind of makes me sick. Like it <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> oh, he blows my mind. Um, and uh, and then, you know, I'm, I'm also, in awe of, like we mentioned, you know, I, I think that Huang's work is beautiful. I think Sachin's work is beautiful. I, I love Heather Held. I mean, who doesn't? Her, she just, her work looks like a fairy. A fairy made her, made everything, right? Um, for, for like kind of fun, light-hearted, modern stuff. Um, you know, EP lettering, I think is really nice. I, I, I love um, Elizabeth Avenue on some of these people. I don't know their real names. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, I know what you mean. I have the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, uh, but, and then you had asked me before about books. Um, yeah. Like, and I, I don't have a ton of books, but I love the speedball textbooks i i think that they're such a great you know flip through and you see all the different examples um so i have to say speedball textbooks and i my i would love to collect more editions of them i only i only own two um, <laughs> i only but... own one <laughs> it's the last <laughs> one <laughs> I, oh, the, the most recent one i yeah i have um i have the the two most most recent ones okay. um, the 24th and 25th and I'd love to find, you know, older ones. Um, and then more, uh, another great resource is for, for flourishing and for pointed pen examples. Um, I'm gonna butcher how this is said out loud. I don't know how it's pronounced, but have you seen um, Penavolan's account? Well, Volan. Um, I'll send it to you in writing Okay. Um, when we finish, but she, uh, Seville, I think her name is Seville, has made, um, she has spent uh, countless hours, I can only imagine, gathering ex um, different examples from all different historic documents and, and places to put together these packets where it's like there's an, a, a PDF of just A's all different forms of A, and then a PDF of B, all different forms of B. They're all flourished, like flour different flourished A's, flourished B's. So now she has gotten through the whole alphabet. You know, she was creating one at a time, 
and they're all listed individually. But now she's finished the entire alphabet. And, um, and so I, I have all the PDFs now, and my goal is to now like print them all and put them in a binder to just be able to reference and get ideas from. So I think she's put done an amazing job with that. I have to find her account because it's horrible that I yeah, you, you definitely have to send it to me because this sounds really cool and I definitely want to check it. So I think that that's a great resource. Um, and then and then all of the free resources on iampath.com as well um, that I've barely scratched. I feel like I've barely scratched the surface of those. Um, you know, there's a lot of information. And then, of course, you're building a, an incredible resource for everybody as well. So those are my main, main um, places. Here it is. Yeah. P-E-N-N-A-V-O-L-A-N-S. Penavolens. On Instagram is, or penavolens.com. Um, and so she's she's put together a great resource. So those are some of my favorites. Awesome. Well, is there something that uh, I haven't asked you and you wanted to speak about? Or if there is something that uh, you want to share to uh, promote or whatever? Well, I've already I've already <laughs> shamelessly plugged <laughs> Ink Me This, LearnClickerPro.com, well, and Niptique. This podcast um, is about you and they are part of you. Like they, they are very much my projects and very proud of them. So yes, thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to tell more people about them. Yes, I'll make sure to include. So like now that I think I can actually add the links also to the Spotify and all the audio platforms. So. I'll make sure to put all the links in the description and the info where, wherever you're absorbing this information. And yeah, if uh, for the end, if you can uh, give an advice or wish something to the people that are just starting in, like just tell them something that you think would help them or I don't know, something mm. that helped you <laughs> <laughs> or just wish them something, whatever, or just say bye. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I just truly hope that everybody um, finds as much joy and and interest in in calligraphy as I have. It's the first and only hobby that's ever captured my attention ever. Um, so I just love it, and I just hope everybody else feels that way too. <laughs> That's all. I don't know. Awesome. Awesome. Eloquent. That's perfect. Not very eloquent of me, but I feel like that's such a big question. I could go in so many directions with it. I'm just, I'm just flabbergasted and blessed to be part of this community and feel like I still pinch myself that I get to do this. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you, Castro, for being a guest on the podcast. Uh, thank you. I had a super awesome time listening to your story. Like I said, to our, almost two hours passed like this. I, I was surprised that uh, so much time passed, but uh, thank you for being guest. And uh, yeah, you know, you're part of the crew thank now. You. And now you will include a nib in your holders. Yes. And you will show some real-time calligraphy videos. I promise, I promise. <laughs> 
So thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, keep writing.